Man, I'm telling you, I so loved last night. I just, uh, man, Brother Jeff, I just, I'm still chewing on that message, brother. Behold the Lamb of God, man. That, that phrase is in my spirit, man, I'm telling you. Behold the Lamb of God. Brother Glenn, thank you for inviting me. Man, I have just, I called my wife last night. She said, how was it? And I just said to her, girl, we had church. I'm telling you, we had church. And God was in the house, and I, I, I could not agree more. I believe some things eternal happened last night. Some people were set free, had a precious young person give their life to Jesus. And you never know what else God, amen, to God be the glory, amen, yeah. And I'm uh, thankful to be here today. I'm, I'm just I'm grateful for the presence. Look forward to the messages. And it's so good to see Brother Harold. God bless you, my friend, and love you and your ministry. Look forward to hearing again, Brother Jeff, and my good friend, Brother Bob Pittman, and uh, so many others today. Just, you're going to be in for a great treat. And my sister ministering to us today, so praise God. And it's uh, again, I want to tell you how honored and humbled that I am to be here, Brother Glenn. Thank you for inviting me, brother. I, I love to be in the house of God with the people of God, worshiping God. Amen. Great time. I want to do something. I'll be honest with you. I really struggled last night, late and early this morning about the message. And um, I, uh, I, want to go, I want to do something a little differently today. I just feel led in my spirit. You know, last night was a great night of encouragement and motivation and, and laughter and inspiration. And, uh, and I, I so enjoyed it. But this morning, I just, rather than, in a sense, rather than inspire you, I want to I challenge you this morning for the next few moments. Brother Jeff, you said last night, and I, I, I don't know, you mentioned the number of Southern Baptist churches, I think it was, that we have, and the, and the number that had baptized zero, I don't remember. Do you know off the top of your head what? 14,000 churches that baptized zero. In the state of Alabama, we have, and I'm not exactly certain, I think it's about, we're close to 3,000 Southern Baptist churches in the entire state. And last year, we had about 700, 698, I think it was, that baptized zero. Zero. And I understand demographics have a lot to do with that, and are you in a populated area, and I understand that. I'm not trying to be negative or critical, but I, I, do, wanna, I do think it reveals something. And I, I agree with my pastor friend. I've told my staff, if we go a while without baptizing, I told my staff, be careful about walking by the baptistry. I will push you in. You know, I just... <laughs> and I think the longer I've been in ministry, the more I realize that uh, many pastors are preaching a clear gospel. We're just preaching it to the choir. And the day of lost people coming to church on a regular basis where our people are out there kind of shaking the bushes and, you know, rattling the cages and inviting their family and their friends and their neighbors and their workers to come to church to, to hear this incredible great music and to hear the man of God preach the word of God and share the good news of Jesus. And the days of lost people sitting in our pews are really few and far between. And we're preaching a clear gospel. We're preaching, can I say, a good gospel, but we're preaching to save people. And so it really, God burdened my heart about this first because I can't lead my people where I haven't been and I can't give away what I don't have. And so God just worked in my life to say, Kevin, you know, you're surrounded by God's people and you have great fellowship and you have amazing worship and you have wonderful friends, but the truth of the matter is you know very few lost people. You don't rub shoulders with unchurched people. You're, you're not hanging out with the lost crowd. Think about what Jesus did. 
Jesus spent his earthly ministry hanging out with the lost crowd, being criticized by the church crowd. Think me now. Stay with me now. And he know what kind of man he, doesn't he know Zacchaeus is a thief? Well, sure he knew. That's why he was there. Last night, doesn't he, why if he were a true prophet, he, he wouldn't know what kind of woman it is who's touching. She's a sinner. And it's almost Jesus, almost, I can almost see him chuckling. And I'm not sure he didn't. I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him. I'm sure he, I looked at the Pharisee. Listen, I'm not even here for you, buddy. I'm here for her. You, you think you've got it. She knows she ain't. Hello now. I'm here to do business with her. So Jesus hung out with the lost crowd being, critique, being criticized by the church crowd. What do we do? We do just the opposite. We hang out with the church crowd and we criticize the lost crowd. Bunch of infidels, bunch of pagans. Don't they know better? No, they don't know better. They don't have God. They don't have the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, they've been blinded by the enemy. They don't know the truth. So love them, encourage them, bless them in Jesus' name, and one day God may get a hold of their life. So I just this morning, just for, I wasn't going to get excited, just, just this crowd, you guys bring it out of me. I, I told you, Pastor, last night, you know, the Bible says stir up the gift that's in you. I've told my people from time to time. I, I've had folks, pastors, come by and visit our church on their way to vacation or something, and one of them called me one day and said, uh, uh, Pastor, how do, you, how do you inspire your people to, to encourage you to say amen and shout and clap every now and then? How does that happen? I said, you've got to teach them from the Word of God. I mean, I don't mean to be insensitive here, and I hope I'm not overstepping my bounds, but if God has gifted the man of God to preach the Word of God, people of God, it's really your job to stir up the gift that's on the inside of them. Now, they don't do it for you, but understand there's inspiration. When somebody's out there saying, Amen, preacher, hallelujah, praise the Lord, sick them, go get it, that's a whole lot easier than somebody nodding their head going to sleep. And so I want to just challenge us just for a few moments this conference is incredible. I love it. I love the passion, the energy, the enthusiasm. But the truth of the matter is the mission of the church is not just to have great meetings and wonderful fellowships and incredible potluck dinners and great, great programs. The mission of the church is to take the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. And the reason this nation's in the mess, the reason 85% of our, get a hold of that fact now, 85%, Lifeway said 85% of our churches are plateaued and declining. And the reason is because our people, I'll be honest with you, it's not, it's not always because the preacher's not preaching the Word of God. It's, it's not because the choir, the music's not incredible. At most churches, I'm telling you, the music's incredible, the preaching is spot on. The problem is the people of God have decided to so cocoon themselves in the church in a safe place, in, in, a, in a comfort zone, that we have forgotten that we've got to get out there and share the good news of Jesus Christ. And so how does that happen? Well, look at Acts chapter 8. I know you know this text well, and I'm mindful of the time. I just want to work through this text just for a few moments. If I had to title the message, it might be something like taking it to the streets. <laughs> Acts chapter 8. I want to give you three very simple instructions. How does it happen? How do we get the gospel? By the way, I, I would say to you, we've got to get back to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in the pulpits. Amen. Amen. Uh, there's kind of a, a famine of that. We don't preach the gospel much anymore. We talk about how to be good parents and how to make great friends and how to achieve your dreams and, and how to be happy and how to raise healthy kids. We better get back to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So how does it happen when we take the gospel? Number one, 
We've got to be ready. Uh, very simple. How does it happen? How do, how do we take it to the streets? You've got to be ready. Uh, look at Acts chapter 8. In fact, look with me in verse 5, if you would. Let me give you the context. Very simple. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Now watch this revival. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed. I still believe the power of God can set the prisoners free. Amen? And many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And I love this. And there was great joy in that city. By the way, when God shows up, there'll be great joy. Amen? The church is always in conflict, always whining, always complaining, always bickering. I'm going to tell you what they really need is the power of God to show up in that church. So great joys in the city. Now look down at verse 26. And now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip and he said, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. Look at verse 27. Just that first sentence. So he arose and went. He arose and went. Be ready. Be ready. The sad truth is many of our people are too busy, many of us, for God to use us. We're, we're busy. We're involved in not bad things. We're involved in good things. We, we're involved in so many things, t-ball and gymnastics and softball and soccer and basketball and football and PTA and Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts and band and, and, and careers. And we're, we're so, when we wake up in the morning, we're already behind. Can anybody feel my pain? You know what I'm saying? We, we, we go to bed and we're tired and we wake up tired. We're, we're so worn out. And I'm not so sure one of the tactics of the enemy is to cause us to be so busy doing what I will call good things. Doing life, we're just so busy, we don't have time for ministry. We don't have time to meet our neighbors. We don't have time to, to make a friend. We, we don't have time to build a relationship so we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're too busy. We're running here. We're running there. We say, hey, how you doing? And we don't really want to know. How are you? We don't really want to know. We're just kind of saying that as we pass. And if someone begins to tell you, we almost tap them on the shoulder and say, well, we'll be praying for you. i got to go. i got to get out of this place. I've got a meeting to go to. I, I've got somewhere to go. The truth of the matter is we're probably just hurrying to get to our recliner at home just to sit down and say, oh, thank God I've made it. <laughs> we're busy. We're so involved. And yet 1 Peter 3.15 says, be ready to give an answer to those who ask you for the hope that lies within you. We don't know our neighbors. We don't have time to build friendships. I think about this preacher who attended a conference to help pastors for their ministry, and one of the speakers boldly approached the pulpit and, and gathering the entire crowd's attention, he said loudly, the best years of my life were spent in the arms of a woman that wasn't my wife. The crowd was shocked. He followed up by saying, and that woman was my mother. And the crowd burst into laughter. And the next week, the pastor said, man, that's good. That's what I'm going to try. He walked up to the pulpit. And as he was walking up, he was rehearsing this little joke, right? He leaned into the pulpit. And he said, the greatest years of my life were spent in the arms of another woman that was not my wife. And his congregation just gasped. And for about 10 seconds, he couldn't remember the rest of the joke. <laughs> And finally, he just said, and for the life of me, I can't remember who she was. 
Uh, could I tell you, my friends, the truth of the matter is that one reason we are losing the battle, one reason we don't have a lot of baptisms, one reason we don't have the power of God is we're so busy doing life. We've got to get ready. We've got to slow down. We've got to build relationships. The Bible says that, that Philip was in revival and God told him through the angel, go down, to, go down to that Gaza, go down to the desert area. And Philip said, yes, sir. And he was ready to go. You've got to be ready. You've got to be ready. Peter, listen, Philip was ready. God said, go, and Philip arose, and he went. I love that. He said, get up and go, and he got up, and he went. Can I get an amen in the church? I'm just saying to you, pastors and preachers and evangelists and choir members and church members out here, listen, I applaud you out here on a Thursday morning. That's incredible. You're going to hear great preaching. I'm going to get out of the way in a minute. I know you're going to hear inspiring music. You're going to fellowship. We're going to laugh. We're going to cry. We're going to have a glory time today. But my friend, the reason we come to this place is so we might be fueled, filled up so that we might go out there and share the good news. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Oh, we just sang about this great Savior, my Redeemer. I could have ran a lap, couldn't you, this morning? Wasn't it awesome? Isn't it inspiring? Listen, it doesn't move you much if it doesn't move outside these walls. Oh, we come to church and we shout and we scream, we high-five one another, we have a blast, and then we walk out there and never share about this incredible Savior, this awesome Redeemer, this wonderful Messiah. Friend, we've got to take that. You've got to get ready. Look at your neighbor. Help me preach. Look at somebody and tell them, get ready. Come on. Get ready. Get ready. Hey, the truth of the matter is I love technology. I appreciate all that it's done for the kingdom and for the gospel, but the truth of the matter is sometimes the most spiritual thing you could do is turn off your computer and turn off your cell phone, open your eyes to the ministry opportunities all around you. Listen, what if Jesus had had the technology? What would he do in our day and age? I mean, he'd be walking out. He'd walk right past Zacchaeus. Why? Because he's scrolling on his phone. He'd miss the opportunity, Right? I mean, somebody tags him, right? He's walking in the parade, right? And this woman grabs on, on his robe, right? Right? And he stops and says to his disciples, somebody touch me. You can almost hear them, somebody touched you. Are you kidding? A hundred people have mauled you. What do you mean? Somebody touched you. There are thousands of people. No, no, somebody touched me. Somebody with faith. I, I, I feel powers going out of me. And he stopped. And this woman, right, had a blood shield for 12 years. And he set her free right there. I just wonder in our day and age, if that had been me, I'd probably do be too busy to stop and listen to her. I'd ask my disciples, who's tugging on my robe? Would you help me out, guys? What are you doing here? Where is security when you need them? Yeah. I'm just telling you. I'm just confessing to you today. I'm just be honest with you. I'm busy. I have appointments. I got stuff to do. I got kids. I got, I got job. I, listen, if you're not careful, the enemy will make you so busy that you never share the good news of Jesus. You never make a friend with a lost person. You never connect with somebody who's not inside the church building. And I'm all for fellowship. I'm, I'm all for coordinating. I, I love the, the, the bond, the, the bridge. Listen, my, some of my best friends are in the house of God. I love that. But friend, we got to get outside these walls and share the good news of Jesus. I mean, the Spirit of God told Philip, go to, so get down there to Gaza, and he went. He was ready. He was Johnny on the spot. He said, Lord, I'm here. Send me. I'm here. Use me. The truth is many of our people are willing to come to church and celebrate, but they're not willing to go out into the highways and hedges and share the good news of Jesus. That's why we're in a mess. That's why the preacher is only preaching to God's people. There are no lost people there. When's the last time you brought somebody to Christ? 
When's the last time you brought somebody to church that was lost? Get ready. Number two, I, I got to hurry. Pay attention. Pay attention. Now watch what happens. Pick up in our text again. Verse 27. And so he arose and he went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of her treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning. And sitting in the chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. And I love this again. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake the chariot. All right, let's stop there a moment. Think about this. If God is going to work through us, then we must pay attention to the ministry opportunities all around us. The angel said again, Good, get up and go. And Philip got up and in. Now listen, it's pretty obvious Philip wasn't a Baptist. If he was, he'd have had to appoint a committee to study this thing and bring back a recommendation. I mean, he probably would have said, now listen, God's moving. Understand now, evil spirits are being cast out. Folks are being saved. The lame are being healed. There's revival going on here. God, are you sure you know what? Let's study. Let's just slow down and study this thing. But the Spirit of God said, get up and go. And Philip got up and he went. Why would God do such a thing? God, why would you send me to a desert? Brother Jeff, Brother Glenn, I'm not so sure, Brother Harold, I'm not so sure that I wouldn't have had a discussion with the Holy Spirit. Are you sure about this? You see what's happening in Samaria, don't you? I mean, God's in the house, man. I mean, we're rocking for Jesus, man. This is incredible. Did you see the lame are walking in your name, Jesus? Did did you see the, the evil spirits have been cast out in the power of your name? Are you sure you want me to go to a desert? Are you kidding me? A desert? But God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He sees what we cannot see. Look at your neighbor. Remind them. I know they know this, but help them. Look at them and tell them you're not God. Come on. Yeah. There was a divine appointment that Philip really did. You know what I've learned in my, at a 53-year-old and 40 years of marriage? I've learned you can trust God. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> he doesn't need my help. In fact, when I try to help out, I mess him up. Can I get an amen? There was a divine appointment. Philip didn't know anything about it, but he knew to trust God. Two elderly women could barely see over the dashboard driving a big old Cadillac. And they're cruising right along to an intersection and they sail right through a red light. The passenger sitting over there, this dear lady thought, oh my goodness, I think we ran right through a red light. Surely not. I'm going to pay attention to the next one. They come up to the second light. They cruise right through that red light. She says, oh my goodness, grabs her chest. We have flown right through it. She said, there is no way that could be happening. I'm going to pay attention one last time. They go through that third red light cruise right through that red light she looks over the driver and says Mildred do you realize we have driven right through three red lights you could have killed us and Mildred said oh my goodness am I driving (laughs) could I ask you this morning I've seen some of them hadn't you so yeah I ask you who's driving who's driving your life today Have you found yourself in a desert? I've been there. You don't like where you work. You don't like where you live. You don't like your school. You don't like your neighborhood. You don't like your life. And you're saying, God, why am I here? What are you doing? Have you forgotten about me? I'm miserable. I'm dissatisfied. Can I tell you, he's the sovereign Lord of the universe, and he has you exactly where he wants you at this moment for this season. 
There's some people in your life, in your, your neighborhood, in, in your school, in your community. I don't know who they are, but God knows, and he has strategically and sovereignly and supernaturally put you where you're at for this reason so that you can share the good news of Jesus with the people you come in contact with. I'm in a desert. God knows it. It's all right. He puts you right where you are for this specific moment in time to share the good news. The truth of the matter is you can reach some people that Brother Glenn, Brother Jeff, Brother Harold, Brother Kevin, we cannot reach. We don't know them. They won't listen to us. But you know them. You know them. They'll listen to you. Pay attention. Opportunities all around you. Number three. Get busy. Get busy. Get busy. Be ready, pay attention, and get busy. All right, look at our text. Here it is, Acts chapter 8, look at verse 30. So Philip ran to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and he said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guide me? And he asked Philip, he asked Philip, he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. And number three, listen, bottom line, when you understand the challenge, you see the problem. Okay, I got it. I'm busy. I, 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 I realize I'm distracted and now I'm paying attention. I see these opportunities God has brought in my life. When I go to lunch and I, I'm there at the waitress, I, I, was in a, I was in a Logan's restaurant the other day and just simply started a conversation with this waitress and the next thing I know, she sat down beside me weeping, a single mom whose life's falling apart. I had the opportunity to share Jesus with her, invite her to church. Our church is falling up. I'm just simply telling I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just simply telling you, there are opportunities all around you. And the Spirit said, get up. I love this. The Spirit said, join yourself to that chariot. Now listen, pastors, I would have done something really spiritual like this. All right, God, if you're in it, I see that chariot over there. And if you're in this, then you make that chariot come right by me, stop right here, and have a flat t- or maybe a, a lost hoof right here in front of me. I, and, and I'll just wait, and then I'll know that you're in it. If you, you're telling me to join that chariot, I'll believe you're in it if you bring it right here. That wouldn't fill up. The Spirit of God said, join yourself to that chariot, and I don't want you to miss this. He ran. Did you see that? He ran. In fact, you could almost see Philip kind of confirming. You talking about that chariot over there? The one that's moving away from me? That's right. The Spirit of God said, I want you to join yourself to that chariot. Philip said, got it. <laughs> now, wait just a second. You say you're exaggerating. No, I'm not. Read the Word. The Bible's not boring. You're boring. Read the Bible. He, he ran. Listen, don't, 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 don't gloss over the power of the word. He ran to the chariot. You can almost see this, this eunuch, right? He's just minding his own business. He went to worship, and evidently whatever he found didn't satisfy him because he's reading the book of Isaiah trying to discover what in the world were they talking about. He's confused, and he's driving down the road, and all of a sudden here comes this nut <laughs> running behind him. And you can almost see Philip get up to him and, he, and Philip says, <coughs> boy, those are fast horse. 
Do you? <coughs> Do you know what you're reading? No. Come up here and tell me about it. You don't believe Philip was intentional? You don't believe Philip had a little passion? You don't believe he was targeting who he was going after? He was running after this chariot. Not walking, not jogging. He was running. By the way, why didn't the angel just share the good news, right? I mean, it's the angel that said, hey, go down to Gaza. It's the angel that said, hey, go over and join yourself. Do you know why? Because the angel are created beings and they've never experienced the mercy of God and the forgiveness of God and the deliverance of God and the redemption of God. So you can't give away what you don't have. But old Philip had experienced the power of God in his life. He'd been saved. He'd been born again. He'd been forgiven. And listen, you cannot keep him quiet. Philip said, I'm on it, God. I'm on it. And he hoofed down there to that chair and he began to share the good news. Why? Because he had experienced it firsthand. I just wonder about a Christian pastor that never share about the good news, that never talk about the forgiveness of God, that never talk about this awesome Savior, this incredible Redeemer. I just wonder, have you really been saved? You say, well, you're judging. No, I'm just inspecting the fruit. I'm telling you, a born-again believer cannot be quiet about the goodness of Almighty God. You shouldn't have to have a pastor or a worship pastor get up here and prime your pump every Sunday and every week. Hey, ain't God good? Haven't you got your sins forgiven? Don't you have a home in heaven? Come on then, celebrate. You shouldn't have to have anybody prime your pump. God's been too good. I can't be quiet. You just give me a second and I'll praise him. I'll lift my voice to him. You've been saved, my friend. You shouldn't have to be primed to share the good news of Jesus. I love what happens. Look at verse 35, man. I'm, I'm gonna, then Philip, I love this, opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, he preached the church to him. He preached the denomination to him. You don't get to heaven, you better be a Baptist. Hey, I don't want to frighten you, but they're going to be more than Baptists in heaven. I'm a Baptist. I understand the pulpit I'm in. I, I, I grew up a Baptist, saved a Baptist, surrendered the ministry to Baptist, married in a Baptist church, ordained in a Baptist church. I understand all that. Baptist born, Baptist bred, Baptist dead. I got you. But I'm telling you, my friend, we're going to have a lot of Baptist folk going to split hell wide open because they think being a Baptist is going to save them. The only one who can save you is Jesus Christ. Uh, we're on TV there in the area, and some guy stopped me and said, you, see, you seem awful narrow. And I said, thank you. My wife said, they're not complimenting you. I said, oh, yes, they are. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man, no woman, no boy, no girl comes to the Father but through him. There's only one way to Jesus, my friend. I love this. The Bible says, Philip opened, he opened his mouth. He opened his mouth. He opened his mouth. Can I just say to you, you've got to open your mouth to share the good news of Jesus. Some of you will shout in church, but you won't make a peep in public. Hello now. I wasn't even going to preach. You understand what I'm saying? He opened his mouth. At some point, can I just say to you, with grace and love and compassion, I'm not preaching anything to you. I hadn't preached to my church. At some point, you've got to open your mouth. <laughs> and he preached Jesus. Don't you love the simplicity of this gospel? He opened his mouth. He just preached Jesus. I've had people say to me, oh, preacher, what if they ask me a question I, I can't answer? 
some deep theological question that I just don't know. I, I don't have an answer. What do I say? How do I handle it? I'm fearful of that. That's why I don't share the gospel. If they ask me a question, I don't know the answer to. What do I do? And I say to them, say something really deep, really spiritual like, I don't know. <laughs> but I once was blind and now I can see. What I do know, I can tell you, Jesus has changed my life and, 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 and what he has done for me, he can do for you. At some point, you've got to get busy. You can't keep talking about it. You can't keep praying about it. You can't keep studying it. At some point, you've got to get busy sharing the good news of Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen. Let me close this way now. Look, I'm going to tell you something. I did this in my church. You can take out your phone. If you had not already done this, you can go to an app, your app store. And you can type in, this is a simple way to share the gospel. You can type in under the search button. If you don't know how to do this, ask your kids or your grandkids. They'll tell you exactly how to do it, all right? That's what I tell them. How come kids know, how come they know everything? Because they didn't buy the things. They're not afraid of tearing them up. You know what I'm saying? They'll, they don't care. My little cousin, my 14 year old, she'll try anything. Push this button, Daddy. I said, no. She didn't pay for it, so she ain't worried about it. So anyway, you go to the app store and you type in the number three, three Circles. That's all you have to do. Three, the number three, and the word circles. I did this in my church life. I had everybody get out their phone. They're on them anyway. They're just not letting you know that. And so uh, pretending they're on Scripture. But anyway, and so I, I said, go there so, and pull that up. And we pulled it up on our screens. And I showed them exactly how to walk through it. And I'm telling you, this is through the uh, home mission board. It's the simplest way you can share the gospel anytime, anywhere. Three circles. And all you do is you just simply swipe through that app. It shows you exactly how to, it starts out with these three circles. You're broken. You have a sin problem. Jesus is the answer. It even gives you a prayer that you can pray with them. It tells them what to do after that. There's about six screens and all you do, can, can you, you say, I don't know if I can share the gospel. Everybody put your finger up. Could you do that? Come on, just like this. Ready? And it just swiped to one side. There you go. That's it. You're qualified. You, you've just been authorized. We're going to give you a certificate when you leave. You've just been certified to share the gospel. Hold your finger up and swipe on three circles and you can share the good news of Jesus. It's as simple as that, I'm telling you. Now, why should we do that? I'm going to give you these five reasons. I'm not even going to preach them. Number one, heaven is awesome. Heaven's awesome. Number two, hell is awful. We like to talk about heaven, but oh, now wait a second, preacher. The reason we got so much hell in the streets, we don't have any hell in the pulpit. Hello. Hell is awful. Number three, life is brief. How many of you know the older you get, the faster it goes? Come on. How many of you are older than you wish you were? Yeah. How many of you do not know how old you are? Come on. <laughs> Life is brief. Why do we share the good news? Heaven's awesome. Hell is awful. Life is brief. Number four, judgment is coming. Yeah. Hebrews 9, 27. It's appointed unto men once to die, but after this there will be a judgment. I've had some folks say, well, I'm just going to party for my boys down in hell. We're going to have a blast. No, you, you don't know what hell's like. Hell is awful. Heaven is awesome. Life is brief. Judgment is coming. And number five, eternity is forever. There's an old hymn, an old song goes something like this. I'm not a great singer, but I love these words. Hear this and I'm done. I wonder... Have I done my best for Jesus who died upon the cruel tree?
to think of his great sacrifice at Calvary. I know my Lord expects the best from me. How many are the laws that I have lifted? How many are the chained I've helped to free? I wonder, have I done my best for Jesus when he has done so much for me? The hours that I've wasted are so many. The hours I've spent for Christ so few. Because of all my lack of love for Jesus, I wonder if his heart is breaking too. I wonder, have I cared enough for others? Or have I let them die alone? I might have helped a wanderer to the Savior, the seed of precious life. I might have sown. No longer will I stay within the valley. I'll climb to mountain heights above. The world is dying now for want of someone to tell them of the Savior's matchless love. How many are the lost that I have lifted? How many are the chained I've helped to free? I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, have I done my best for Jesus when he has done so much for me?